We just thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we thank you for your word and what you reveal to us and that how you speak to us in a special way. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we do, you know, honor your word from Genesis to Revelation that you speak to us and that it is a consistent an account. And Lord, we thank you for that. You reveal, reveal things to us we'd never otherwise known. And I pray this morning you'll just anoint me uh, that I would just speak the words of the Spirit. And I pray you'd open each heart that they would receive of the Spirit. So we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at this morning at, we're going to start off with Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And it's appropriate. We're, we're, we have an extended Christmas season. You know, it seems like 18th was the message before Christmas. You talk now, but Christmas is the 25th. We're not going to meet the 25th. We're going to meet the 24th. And it's like, okay, we'll just have a a couple of Christmas messages here. But I want us to start off this morning. And the title of this, it's all about Jesus. And it's really important for us to realize this. It's all about Jesus. So look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, as we read this, as, as we <laughs> read this, we need to realize that this statement just didn't come out nowhere. Okay, so in Matthew, so we have this statement just kicking right off the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, first chapter of the New, New Testament, and it's telling us about the birth of Jesus. But this isn't the first place it's mentioned. We need to realize that. This is didn't like, okay, I'm doing something new, and so God gives us this statement. It's not that way at all. This is a fulfillment of a promise made at the very beginning of time. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at this morning and see what, you know, how this applies to us and what the Jesus is teaching us. In fact... I appreciate Woods' introduction on the word. <laughs> In fact, what we need to realize that the Bible is the unfolding revelation of Christ. The reason we have the Bible is to reveal Christ to us. Period. Now, there's other good stuff in there. Really good stuff. I mean, and you know, and, and you can, and so I don't discount the good stuff. But the primary purpose is to reveal Christ to us. It's a revealing of Christ. And so Jesus, Jesus came, came to reconcile mankind. That's the reason he came. So you could say the sub-theme is the redemption of man. That's what the Bible's about. And so it really is something that we really need to understand that. Every Christian needs to understand that so they can understand the Bible. If we don't understand that, we're not going to understand the Bible. Or we're going to get on all sorts of tangents that are really irrelevant. All right? So we really want to focus on that. The Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that is the reason the Bible was written. Salvation. All right. Now, we're going to see this morning that 
And as I said, it's important to, for every Christian to understand that because they need to, to be able to understand the Bible. They need to know that. Every time you read something, how does this impact Jesus? How does this reflect Jesus? Why is this necessary? And it keeps us, our theology straight, and it gives us an understanding. Also, it helps us to understand all God's revelation because it's tied back to Jesus. Also, it helps us to understand the evil in this world. So as a church and understanding this, all of a sudden our perspective, we see what's going on when others can't, when others can't because of what's revealed through the scriptures and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so we want to start here. It's all about Jesus, all about Christ. We're going to see this truth. We're going to see this truth this morning. And we're going to start in the very beginning where Satan led Adam and Eve into sin. We're going to see it there. This is all about Jesus. And here's what happened. And here's what happened. First of all, we know that Eve was tempted by the fruit and the serpent tempted her. Okay, we know the account, all right? And then she took it and had that conversation. And then she tempted, uh, took it to her husband and got him to eat it. And then, you know, it's like everything fell apart, you know. You, and you would look at that. Oh, my gosh. God starts his Bible off, and it falls apart in chapter 3 of Genesis. I mean, he, he just, you know, he really doesn't have his act together. <laughs> he can't even get through chapter 3, you know, when everything falls apart. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And, and here's where we understand that, that God shows his movement and his plan for us and for the world and how he moves in the, the world. And we understand that. We understand that. So I want to uh, read this part of this account in Genesis, all right? And we're, remember where we started off here. Okay, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about, right? His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now let's go look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, um, verse 14 and 15. I have 15, verse 15 up on the screen, but I will read verse 14 also. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Remember, the title of the message, it's all about Jesus. The Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. I'll slide over that. <laughs> I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Y'all never going to get along. Okay, I mean, that's, I mean, understand what that says. And between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now, I'm using the New American Standard for this verse for the main reason that it, 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 it translates seed is seed. Most of your other Bibles use offspring, okay, which is true, 
it's not what the Bible said, and there's a reason the Bible used seed. <laughs> and I would be hesitant to change it, you know. But anyway, the NSAB didn't change it. So I will put enmity between you and the woman, Satan, between you and the woman, and between your seed, Satan, and her seed, woman. He, Jesus, will bruise your head, and you, Satan, shall bruise his heel. Now, what you see here is that, and, and it's fact, and I, I put those Satan and Jesus in there because it uses seed. I interpreted seed. Instead of seed, I use Jesus. Instead of seed, I use Satan there. But it uses seed. And it says this again, and you, Satan, or I'll start, he, Jesus, shall bruise you on the head, and you, Satan, shall bruise him on the heel. Now, the New American Standard Version, the literal word, uses the literal word seed. Seed. And the word seed can be interpreted as singular or plural. I have a seed. I have a sack of seed. You don't have to say seeds. I have a sack of seed. Okay? It can be plural or singular. And also in the Hebrew. Now, so you see this. Satan's offspring, here in Genesis, Satan's offspring will be many. There's going to be a lot of Satan's offspring. There's going to be a lot of seeds. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of people who do a lot of damage that he influences. So Satan's offspring will be many. But now listen, and we've, we're going to see this later on. But the woman's victorious seed will be one. With me? This is huge. The woman's victorious seed will be one. Not all of us. That's not what he's talking about. The one seed. Now, the one victorious seed of the woman defeats Satan, and it's Jesus. He's the one who bruises his head. Satan bruises Jesus' heel irritation but it doesn't take him out <laughs> okay but jesus takes him out now are y'all with me there see satan bruise his heel jesus bruise his head amen so what we have here in the very beginning genesis god's telling us about the redemption of man genesis 3 matthew 1 starts in genesis 3 and it helps you, if you understand Genesis 3, to understand Matthew 1. I mean, here in the church, we can go, wow! You know, and the kids do it all the time. You know, you know Jesus born of a virgin and Christmas, and we just, you know, it's just funny. This, this is the beginning and the end, Christmas. No, it's just the spot, <laughs> you know. It's just the event in the whole eternal account. Eternal account, a very important one. But it started in Genesis. Now, I want you to now look at Galatians 3.16. Galatians 3.16. Now, you remember, God made promises to Abraham. Okay? I mean, God's all about making these promises. All right? So he makes promises to Abraham. And he makes promises to Abraham and his seed. And we got oh, Abraham and his seed. You got all of Israel, 
coming out of that. You know, you even say we're adopted into the family. You know, we got the whole world. You know, it's, it's kind of the seed of Abraham. God says, I promise a blessing to your seed. Okay? Now read Galatians 3.16. This one you are putting in your back pocket. This one you are think about. Listen to this. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Same thing in Genesis, same word, everything. So the promises were made to Abraham and his seed. He didn't, he does not say seeds, plural, as referred to many, but rather to one and to your seed, singular, that is Christ. Who's Abraham's seed? Christ. Who's the woman's seed? Christ. Now, see, now you see, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. They didn't know it. A lot of people now don't know it, but it's all about Jesus. And here you have these, and you read the Bible, and you read the New Old Testament, New Testament, and you have this vision of all these people, and then you come here and what the revelation, when you read it all together, is no, it's not all these people. It's about Jesus. Genesis is about Jesus. The woman's seed is Jesus. Abraham, your seed is Jesus, is Jesus. Now, so as we look at this, and here's something else that we should throw in here. When you read the Bible, and, it, and that's the way um, the Bible talks about lineage and stuff like that, they'll say David's seed. You know, Abraham's seed. Anytime they talk about lineage, they say for offspring, they use the word seed. And the seed always comes from the man. Always in the Bible. It's the man's seed that carries out the legacy. All right? But in Genesis, the seed comes from the woman. Big deal, all right? That's a big deal. What's a whole Bible is full of the seed coming from man? But in Genesis 3, the seed comes from the woman. Now, how are they going to pull that off? See, and so we see here that the, bird, that the birth of this one victorious seed will come from a virgin, a woman, by the Holy Spirit and will be God incarnate, Jesus where, where, where did the first place we see this? Genesis. God says, see, I got this all together. I'm just going to give you this little piece, you know, because the woman's seed will bruise his head. You know, we'll go, what's that mean? He goes, I'll tell you, I got a whole book on this thing. <laughs> right, got a whole book. Just read it, and I'll tell you, and you'll understand it. So it's it's the fascinating it's the fascinating to see how this is unfolding and it talks about the prophets of old search the scriptures to learn understand the promises that god had to say about the messiah they couldn't figure it out but they searching it see we have the, you, you know we have the final chapter the new testament you know oh now we got it you know but they knew something was coming coming but they didn't understand it now you got that down? Isaiah has some real clear prophecies about the Messiah. 
And here's one we're going to read. I want you to turn. And now we've learned something. Okay, we've learned something. Genesis and Galatians, we've learned something. But we apply what we learn. We're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, the woman, will conceive and give birth to a son. I put in parentheses, her seed. The virgin. How did a virgin give birth? Virgin will conceive and give birth to her son. Give birth to a son. Her seed. Same thing as in Genesis. Same thing as Genesis. And will call him Emmanuel. God with us. Or Jesus. Amazing. The unfolding revelation. The unfolding revelation. Uh, that the Bible gives us here about the coming of Jesus. So, Jesus is identified as the woman's seed here in Genesis. Twice. The virgin birth is never mentioned. You know. Well, yeah, it actually is. In the Old Testament, it actually is. See, and the reason it's the woman's seed is because the, fa- because the father... Is not human flesh and blood. Father's not human flesh and blood. Father's God. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. So it has to be the woman's seed by God Himself. Jesus' appearance. Now, here we're going to make some applications, and this would help us a lot. Jesus' appearance doesn't come with a lot of grandeur, human grandeur. It doesn't happen. I mean, if you were going to come out and bring Jesus and you're going to come into the world, you know, some 2,000 years ago, how would you do it? How would you do it? Well, I'd pick a stable. And I have the baby in the manger, you know. And Mary, she doesn't need a doctor. I'll do this. (laughs) That's how we'll come into the world. And we'll make an imprint on the world, you know. No, that's not how we'd come in. How we'd come in. You know, I mean, I think we'd have fireworks, a little flash of lightning, you know, voices from heaven, and, you know, and come in. I, you know, and Bethlehem is insignificant town. Israel's insignificant. I would go to Caesar's palace. I'd go to Caesar's palace. Hey, bud, you ain't got nothing on me. You know, I mean, Rome controlled the whole known world. You can make an impact in Caesar's palace. You know, I mean, that's the And see, that's the way... I would think about this. But then you look at this and how God did it, and I realize I don't think like God thinks. (laughs) So God is telling me something I need to understand about how God works, how God works. And so as you see this, you start thinking to yourself, it's like, oh, my goodness, that Jesus, God incarnate, is born in a stable. He did not come with a great army. And he came as a baby. He came as a baby. Now, this miraculous move of God, is. everybody agrees with me this is a miraculous move of God. Jesus in the stable is a baby. I, God, I want a miracle. I want to see your majesty. I want to see a miracle. Okay, 
I'll show you a baby in the stable in your life. No, no, that's not what I want in my life. I want some fireworks in my life. I want some grandeur in my life. It's not how I work. Not how I work. Never have. Never have. I mean, he did take the Israelites to Mount Sinai, you know, gave them the law. And, but we would do what they did, not paying attention. Because as soon as the lights die down, we're back to our own self, looking for the next fireworks show. You see what I'm saying? So I think there's a tremendous lesson when we look at this. And so it tells us something about our salvation. You know, and I don't know everybody's story, but your salvation is usually you alone. Somebody shares a message or God speaks to you. And, oh, my God, I'm forgiven. See, and he said, yeah, that's the way I work. That's the way I work with individuals. So so you see, and our salvation comes in, in most of the people. And I'm just a generalization from most of the people that have a solid walk with the Lord that stick with it are the ones that. God met with individually in the quiet place most of the time. Now, there's a few exceptions. But, it, but, there's a, but what it is, there's a message here where we have an understanding how God's doing it, and that's what he's telling us. In fact, the Bible is telling us how to live out the Lord Jesus Christ as he has come to save mankind. So, like our salvation, Jesus not, does not come through the greatness of men. I mean, how many times your salvation? Salvation, not of works. I mean, it just cuts out everything. <laughs> you know, it just cuts out everything. It's not a work. Okay, I just believe in you, me and you, and that's it. Okay, we got it. You know, I, but no, my I, this thing still ain't working out for me. And you know, I didn't get promotion. And you know, and there, there be should be some grandeur. No, the only grandeur is in your heart. That you have a relationship with God Himself. See, if you realize that, I can do lots of stuff with you because you'll always give me the credit. Or give me the credit. Now, so one baby, one stable in a manger will redeem God's people. The greatest act of God is through Jesus Christ in the most humble of situations. That's the work of God. And that'll help us to understand to live out this Christian life and understand what he's doing and how he's doing and how he's doing it. Now, I'm going to try to make some application. Now, by the way, God can do anything he wants to. I mean, you ever notice that? He, he does it. But when he gets put in the corner, just, he doesn't do anything. You know, Jesus, he's standing before Herod. You know, and they just, you know, they're just, they're, they're just heaping on stuff about Jesus. He didn't say anything. I mean me. <laughs> I'm looking at another opportunity. I'll see. He called him an old fox. I would have stepped. I'll show you something, you old fox. <laughs> I mean, I would have stepped up to the time there and dealt with him, you know. But you know what? It was predicted in the Old Testament in Isaiah. He said he won't, he, 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 he won't give a loud word. And he's just like a, 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 a weak branch. Well, come on, Lord. I'm into power. <laughs> you know, Jesus goes, I'm into humility. <laughs> humility. And Wallace, you don't have it, so I'm going to teach you. 
humility. I'm going to teach you humility. And it says God works through thee. Somebody say that. Church, but somebody in there, something else, an attribute. Humble. He works through the church. But he wants the church. He says God works through the humble. You know, it's like, well, how would you ever understand that? Understand the baby in the manger. You'd understand humility. We say, God, I don't know what humility looks like. It looks like a baby in a manger. Yeah. See, but again, the point of it is to understand how we move forward and how God works. And we get frustrated with God because he doesn't work like we want him to. I've already told you. If it was up to me, it worked the way I did. I mean, I'd wiped out the Roman Empire, and then I'd went and take care of Herod. I mean, that's, I mean, do you think I would have made an impact? I mean, somebody would have my name written down on something. Uh, wouldn't they? Like that? But anyway, God goes, no, that's not what I do. And until you learn this, I can never use you. Power comes through the humble. I exalt the humble. See, so that's our lesson. So the releasing of God is to understand the manger. And then we can understand the releasing of God because it is God doing it. And we know and everybody else knows it's God that does it. Amen? So here we are. So we have this. Now, what's so important now in this world? I don't know if you watch television a little bit and you would rightly say, say I have ne I've never seen such an open persecution and just belittling of Christians. Ever. Never. You know, it's amazing. And it's like, well, why? Well, I'm going to put, you know, enmity between Satan, your seed, and my seed, Jesus. See, that's why. Don't be fooled. That is why. And the one who knows it better than any of us is Satan. He knows that. You know, so, in this dark world, Christianity is under attack, and God does not use human grandeur to impact the world. How many of us are praying? It's a mess. I'm just praying for God to move here, God to move here, and, you know, sparkles and lightning and stuff, and deal with these heathen, <laughs> my definition, the people that disagree with me. You know, but God said, no, that's not how I work. That's, that's not how I work. Now, the thing is, Based on the scripture, based on Christ, based on what, what, who has God used to impact the world? I know I, it's kind of tricky. It's kind of like, like Wood said it the first time. Church. He uses Christ. But Christ tells us, I'm leaving you here. I mean, he bailed on us. He's, I'm leaving you here. You're not, and, and they went and they're going... Hey, <laughs> hey it's not, this is not a good idea. I mean, they literally did that, you know. And it's so, so it's like, no. So we understand that, like, well, how is God going to confront this attack that the world is putting on believers and on the church? And it's an outright attack. Even non-believers that are, you know, not you know, anti-Christian so much, will admit that they're attacking the church like it's never been around the world. By the way, we know here, I mean, we're, we're complaining here, but around the world, there it's the church is under a t a attack. You know, it's like, God, well, 
why? What does the church, God put enmity between uh, Satan's seed and the woman's seed, Jesus. And that flows down to everybody who trusts Jesus. Trust Jesus. I was listening to, and I, I just turned radio. I'm not a big fan or anything, but what caught me, what the world's doing to the family. But I'll tell you, it was Dan Bongino. Okay, they did, I don't know. But he turned, I caught the family. Listen, he says, you don't understand what they're doing. People, to get a progressive thing, a control of people, they have a huge obstacle. They have a huge obstacle. And the obstacle is the family and the church. Well, I said, hey, I know nothing about this guy. But that was right. That's amen. What the, what the attack is is on the family and the church. Because without the family and the church, it's clear sailing. There's no problem. I, he can do this. He can do this. See, so again, it helps to understand so we know what's going on. It's like, okay, I know what's going on. So, this is what God, so God uses the church, and that there's full of scripture how God uses the church, but he uses the church because the church trusts in Christ, you know, not as an individual. Anybody can call themselves a church and not be one. You, Christ has to be the center. Now, what I want to do here, in the book of Revelation, in, in the book, because you look at the church and you think, well, the church and I don't think they're doing too good. But usually people, when you say the church to unbelievers, they have something in their mind what the church is. Most of the times, it's the Catholic church. And the reason it is because it's worldwide and it has so many big monuments and stuff, people can relate that it's the church. Okay. Now again, I'm not saying anything. It's a Catholic church. That's just what people think. Or they'll say, you know, you just hang out of the shingle. That's a church. Come to the church. Okay. But God's church is those who trust on him. Those, that's his church. You know, that's who it is. You know, and you deny Christ, you can't call yourself God's church. You just can't. So anyway, when we speak about the church, we're talking about those groups of people who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And so, but, and then when you pare it down to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you go, man, we got a lot of people. I mean, I mean that, that kind of narrows it down to not a lot of folks. You know, I mean, there's not many people. How in the world are we going to get anything? I mean, you'd almost have to be like a baby in a manger to get something like that done. Right? And God says, yeah, I got you about where you ought to be. Like you got enough humility that you know you're a baby in a manger. Now I can really move. I just had to have some little humility on your part about this and understand how I work. Now, in, in the book of Revelation, God gives us a great example of his powerful church. Unbelievable. And it's the church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Now, and since this applies to us too, you know, I think it applies to us. I just kind of stuck our name in here. But that's, I just did that. It's not in this, I just did it and I know I did it, you know. So I'm not like going off left field. Y'all understand that. But here, so but I want to apply it to us because he's talking about the powerful church. Church of Philadelphia. Now I just put one verse up on the uh, screen, but I'm going to read the whole thing to you. 
Okay, it's Revelations 3, chapter 7 through 11. I'm just going to pull this out. And we're taking all this in mind. Now, we're going back to Genesis. Okay, her seed, which is Christ. We are Christ's offspring. So, Revelations 3, 7 through 11. I said, to Broadlands Community Church. Okay, now I ran this past Jesus before I said it. You know, lightning's not going to strike me. He, he gave me the go-ahead to use the application. To Broadlands Community Church. These are the words of him who is holy and true. He holds the key of David. Now, again, I'm going to pause here. People read, he holds the key of David. You know, what is that? God's promises came through David. And Jesus' genealogy, human genealogy, came through David. And all these promises were made, and it's the key to everything. And so what he says here, that these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. I hold everything I said to David, which comes on you. So, I mean, you really need to know the Old Testament to understand what he's talking about here. Because he told David, and he made Messiah-type promises to David. In fact, he told David, said, I'm going to make a Messiah that's going to come out of you, and he's going to rule the world. But he made it to David, but it comes to us. Anyway, thanks for saying that this morning, Woods. I mean, it's like, how did, it's amazing. Okay, so anyway, so he said, I'm the Holy True, the Holy One, have the key of David. Now listen to this. Now it's to this church. He's talking to this specific church. You know, he's, he's saying that to this specific church, here are the words of him who's holy and true, holds the key of David. He's very personal. Then he says, what Jesus, so you listen, you're paying attention to God's name. What Jesus opens, no one can shut. What Jesus shuts, no one can open. Then verse 8, broadlands. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You're the baby in the manger, and I know it. I know it. I will make those who are the church of Satan who claim to be Christians, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. See, it really makes a difference where you go. (laughs) Well, they just have a few faults. They're great. They just don't believe in the deity of Christ, and I can struggle through that. Now, you may struggle through it. God can't. God can't struggle through that Since you have kept my command and endured patiently, I also will keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Now, he just went from itty-bitty church to dealing with the whole world. See, there's a lesson there. But what about the whole world? Let God do that. You got a ministry here and you've done good job because you've been faithful kept my word and done my deeds and i'm just telling you i'm gonna take care of the whole world that's what he's saying here and then he says this i am coming soon now listen to this hold on 
to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold on. Hold on. See, I could title this message, Hold On. Because that's what he's telling us. Because he said, I know you're a baby in the manger, and you sure know you're a baby in the manger because you don't have any power. You don't think you have any power. But you kept my word, and I am taking care of the world. You hold on to what you have because it's everything. And you're doing exactly what I want you to do. You are who I work through. All God's people said, amen. That is powerful. So we are little, but Jesus is here. We're God's church, and Jesus is the head. Did you all know that? God's church, Jesus is the head. I have a little story that I couldn't believe I heard this. I mean, I didn't know much, but I knew more than this. This long years ago in Reston Bible Church. I had a lady come in, and she said, and she said, I'm here to see that the congregation connects to the head. Now, it wasn't me, you know, to you, Pastor Mooner. Now, I just knew lightning was going to strike her dead on that spot. I mean, it's like I stepped out the door. I thought, whoa, I can't believe she sent us. It is my job to connect people to the head. Now, the pastor there, he knew better. <laughs> Except he, had, he was much more mature than I was. He really, you know, now, you know, I think that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. And, you know, he walked her through it out the door. You know, I mean, he spent about 15 minutes where I would have spent 30 seconds. I mean, it was like I would have dropped the hammer. And, you know, there had been all sorts. Of, I'd been under church discipline by the time it all was settled. But the point of it is to misunderstand the head of the church is Christ. Always Christ, you know. I know two situations, Jim Jones and there's one of the local church that said, don't pay attention to the word, pay attention to me. You saw what happened to Jim Jones. And he said, I actually saw that on television. I remember that. I remember that. And I read this that this other guy said the same thing. That's demonic. It's evil. I mean, that's, that, that's not even bad, you know, interpretation. It's demonic. See? And so you've got to understand, but you know, because you know this book is all about Jesus. It's not about the pastor. It's all about Jesus. The pastor has one goal, and that's to point people to Jesus. That's it. If he doesn't do that, he's not worth anything. Not worth anything. So here we have. Name of Jesus. God is the church. And we, just to show you, look at Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. Jesus is head of the body, the church. I mean, you don't need any interpretations or nothing. You don't need a concordance or commentary. Jesus is head of the body, the church. That's what God, and that's what you understand. Now, here we go. It says... And we're trying to make an application because we're in this dark world and we feel outnumbered. I think we probably are outnumbered. I mean, I probably that's probably a literal truth. We are out, outnumbered. And um, so, but we know something is God's people in the church. In this dark world, God's protective hand is covering us and protecting us. He takes care of his body. 
the church is his body. And he, he cares for us. He protects us. He's covering us. See, how, how are we going to get through? Because God is our protector. Now, again, I just want to make a point. It's like, and there's a lot of good churches, but, you know, I think it makes a difference where you worship. Because I think there's bodies that God is not protecting. He is not guiding. And if you put yourself under that, you put yourself under their curse. So you always want to go to church where the word is preached because he covers us and protects us. Now listen closely to this, <laughs> church. <laughs> to attack us is to attack Jesus. To attack us is to attack Jesus because we're his body. So I attack these. I wouldn't do that <laughs> to attack us. It's to attack Jesus. Go back to the Apostle Paul, and he's persecuting the church, and Jesus appears to him, and he says, Paul, Paul, what does he say? Why do you, why are you attacking me? Well, who was Paul attacking? The church. Here's the church. Jesus, why, why are you attacking me? To attack us is to attack Christ. Now, I mean, you're all thinking, hey, you know, we're in a pretty good spot here. You know, I don't care who's elected. We're in a pretty good spot. Pretty good spot. Now, listen to where another version, 1 Corinthians 3.17, which confirms this. You attack us, you attack Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.17. And this is to give us encouragement, and we see everything falling apart around us, which is not surprising God, by the way. You know, I mean, he, he kind of told us beforehand it's going to happen. So, 1 Corinthians 3.17. If anyone destroys God's temple, now you'll see up there, I put in parentheses the church, because there's places where God calls us his temple he dwells in us, and that's a true statement, the person. But there's this place, he's talking about God's corporate gathering, he dwells in. He's, he's talking about the church. This is the church. If anyone destroys God's temple, the church, God will destroy that person. For God's temple, the church, is sacred. And you together are that temple, the church. I know you're a baby. I know you're a baby in a manger, but I'm there, and nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody. Nobody. In fact, I'm going to destroy anyone who actively tries to destroy you. Don't water down your doctrine when people come in and try to make you water it down so we can get along. No, you'd stand on it in love, but you stand on it. God says, no, you're proclaiming my word. You've been true and faithful to me. You stand strong. I will protect you. And you're here to tell the truth. The truth is only in the church. Don't water it down. Don't water it down. See, we stand in this dark world. We stand with Jesus, and we let our shine, our, our light shine in this world. And that's the reason uh, Matthew, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus told his disciples when he's about to leave, Matthew told his uh, Jesus told his disciples, Jesus 
came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given me, given to me. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. You ain't got nothing to worry about. I'm with you and I'm using you. And you are to stand strong. I was reading in, uh, I can't remember where I was reading. Anyway, but it was a good place in the Bible. And it said, but it's talking about standing on the word. And it says, God commanded, said, you stand on them. It says, you, you proclaim my word and don't go to the left and don't go to the right. Proclaim my word. Well, that's it. Don't go to the left and don't go to the right. You just proclaim my word and let God take care of the situations. So, in a way, I must say it again, physically we're like Jesus in the manger. However, spiritually, we are like the creator God with all his power standing in this dark world that only has to speak the word and change everything. See? And here, and this is a true statement, we are invincible. We are invincible. And you walk up and says, listen, we're going to just come in and, you know, <laughs> you know, hang you by your thumbs because of what you believe. And you go, oh, better not. <laughs> you attack me, you're attacking Jesus. You think you're that good? No, I'm just that forgiven. You know, I'm just that forgiven. And all my strength comes from him. And there's confidence. There's confidence, see, but there's confidence in God. And it's not confidence in military. No, it's confidence because we had the vision of the baby in the manger. And God sees us as the baby in the manger. But he knows that God who spoke the word and created everything lives within us. And all he has to do is one word and everything changes, which you see all through the scripture. But our point <laughs> is humility. Humility. Exalt, <laughs> you know. I said, I, I, I exalt the humble. I exalt the humble. There's several things in, in, in the scripture. So, and then this is what, you know, for Max, I thought this is all about Jesus. Acts 4.12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given by mankind by which we must be saved. It's all about Jesus. Now, I just want to pause and just drive home. Where did we see this this morning where it was all about Jesus? It's Genesis. It's Genesis. It's Genesis 3. I mean, now with the information that we have, do we look at Genesis 3 and say, oh, my goodness, I can write a book on Genesis 3. And that's actually what God did. He wrote a book on Genesis 3. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. But be encouraged. Be encouraged. And again, I'm with all of you here. I know what comes at us. And I know, you know, how difficult it is. And, you know, it's the, and the Satan is really wise about manipulation. And, you know, and he knows our weaknesses. And, but, no, we, we understand the truth that we are to say the truth. Stand strong in Christ because it's all about Jesus. And just like Dan Bongino said, <laughs> you take Jesus out of the picture of the church, they win. They win. See? Us here, they don't win. We are Satan is at enmity with us.
he can't stand us because we're stopping everything he desires to do. He can't do anything to us, but what he can do is discourage us and we quit. We quit. See, we self-destruct. Foes can't do anything with us. So Jesus says, trust me. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. And, you know, it's, you know, it's Jesus in the manger. It's like, Lord, I really do feel like Jesus in the manger. You know, and it's like, how in the world be able to survive? How you go forward and do the things you say? How? And those are the wrong questions. It's like, no, God, I depend on you for all things. And you can do all things. And my eyes are fixed upon you. And he said, when you humble yourself, in my eyes, I will exalt you. Because everything we acknowledge, everything comes from Jesus. And that we will be Jesus' word to everyone we talk. We take nothing on ourselves. So, God, we thank you. And I thank you for each person here. And I truly do, from the depths of my heart, when I read about the Church of Philadelphia, I see the Church of Broadlands, that people here so given to you, so obedient to your word, so desiring to follow you and serve you. And I thank you for each one of them and what an encouragement they are to Linda and I. But, Lord, we just give all thanks to you and say, Hallelujah, God. It's a miracle that you... I know it's a miracle that you ever chose me, that I ever could come into your kingdom, and I am thankful. And so I praise you for that, as I know each and every one's here. So, God, I pray a protection, and we all give a shout of hallelujah to you and praise you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's get a hand. Hey, hallelujah. Woo!